Hello everybody, this is Vid and welcome to episode number 5 of the Success Inspired Podcast. In today's episode, we talk about practical and easy to understand money and life advice with a sense of humor. You'll learn about a variety of investment options, avoiding debt, how small changes really add up and a whole heap of other financial stuff. We've had a lot of fun in this episode and it's packed with addictive laughter. Let's roll. My guests today are two awesome ladies who chat about all things money and career with tips, tricks and insights that you wish you had known years ago. Their podcast, Money Madams, teach women to empower themselves to create abundance in their life. They provide a safe place to bear your financial soul and walk with you to achieve financial security for you and your family. Please welcome to the show, Catherine Hayes and Amber Parr from Money Madams. Thanks for uh, taking time to uh, meet me on a rainy Saturday afternoon. Thanks for having us. We're very excited to be here. So what problem do you solve in the world and how do you go about it? Oh, I mean, our big thing is we try to bring fun into finances and education because there's one thing we know and that is people, uh, there's a lot more to know about finances than, than people really do know. Um, but it's a dry and boring topic, so we have a little bit of a dark sense of humour. <laughs> <laughs> so fun and finances, that's what we bring. So Catherine is actually a financial advisor and we met more than 10 years ago at Mother's Group. Yeah. And so we became friends and over the years Catherine started helping me with my finances and helping us get in a better position. And so we would have these conversations where um, – in Australia today, women are retiring with 47% uh, less superannuation than their male counterparts. Right. And so women actually statistically have less money than their male counterparts. And they live longer. And they live longer. It's like the worst possible combination. Yeah, sounds and like it. So they have to – we have to be better at what we have um, to help ourselves. And there's – there's actually, I read this article and this was really the catalyst for Money Madams was that um, on the central coast of New South Wales, they've started to develop a tiny houses village for women who are retiring into homelessness. Oh, and no. So these are women who have worked their whole lives, their mothers, um, and they're hitting the retirement age and they don't have anything. And these are women who when they started work, superannuation wasn't compulsory like it is now. Okay. Um, and we just, it's terrifying and we never want that to happen again. Um, and so we're really about um, helping women make the best decisions that they can around their finances. Yeah, and we've also, um, there's some studies out there which also show that um, if you really raise financial education um, for women that they you know women chat let's face it yeah. <laughs> and so they're more likely to share that information with their broader community so in terms of sort of breaking that cycle of financial illiteracy um, you know our aim is to help people make smart choices so they they never have to go through that mm. so what are some of the um, best advice that you can give to somebody that is looking to secure their 
the future in terms of superannuation. Mm. Um, don't sweep it all under the blanket. <laughs> <laughs> and you are smart enough to figure it out. Super can be tricky and yep. can be confusing. And so people just don't engage with it because they don't think they're smart enough, but mm. they are. And I think what I learned from Catherine is um, it's really that uh, small changes now add up. Yep. So do something, start investing in your future self, pay off your debts, put more money in super, mm. and um, you can be in a significantly better position. Mm. Yeah, small changes, building them up over time, and start as early as you can. I know one thing I've done when I arrived here in 10 years ago, I started working at multiple different jobs from hospitality to fitness, and I ended up having like four different superannuations. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I've consolidated into one. I think that's – is that a good thing? Yeah, well, it certainly saves you a lot of fees. Hmm. Yeah. Now, you mentioned investing. So, obviously, superannuation is one, but is there anything else that people can look at oh. in terms of investing? There's a gazillion different ways. Uh, you've got uh, the superannuation. There are uh, tax structures like trusts and investment bonds. There are you know investing in property, uh, businesses, shares, managed funds. There's a gazillion ways that you mm. can invest. And they all have their different pros and cons and different things, different people based on what they're after. Um, and then, of course, you know, other wealth creation strategy is like just paying off debt, being debt-free because yeah. there's so much you can do if you don't have a mortgage, yeah. you know. But a home is somewhere that most most people in Australia want to retire debt-free when they've got their home. So mm. that just provides a really good level of security. Um, one of the things Catherine taught me is about um, you need to live and it, this is so simple, but, you know, live below your means, don't have debt, and then that money that you're not spending now, invest it in your future. So, and that's the money, that's the future money that will actually make a difference for mm. you in mm. 10 or 20 years' time. If you're just spending everything you make now, in 10 or 20 years' time, you're actually just going to be where you are now. But if you're taking some of your wage and you're investing it and it, it – I mean, I know there's always pros and cons, but it almost doesn't matter. Choose an investment, um, mm. you know, um, stream that works for you. Um, then in 10 or 20 years' time, you're going to have a little nest egg there. And we talk about money isn't good, good or bad, but it gives you options. Yep. So then you can say in 10 or 20 years' time, actually, I want to travel or I want to retire early or I want to whatever you want to do, yep. you have more options. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and that's a big thing for us. It's it's not about picking the perfect strategy. I mean, it's like you with fitness. If you get caught up on having the perfect routine, chances are that you won't continue with it. It'll get too complicated. So you really do need to focus on getting something that's sustainable and it works for you. And, um, and we also want to take away the shame around money because money is kind of like one of those taboo topics. And we don't want people to feel uncomfortable talking about their finances. And that's when you we were saying bear your financial soul. I would say to Catherine when we were, before we started Money Madams, I would go to her and say, oh, I paid off my credit card. Oh my God, I'm so excited. And she was the only one that I could have that conversation with because yeah. everybody else, it was like oh, money. Yeah. Or you don't talk about money. That's personal. That's, you don't talk about yeah. I'm in debt, I'm figuring it out or I'm investing or 
you know, I would, we have a mortgage and when my mortgage would make additional payment, it's got below, you know, a significant number. I'd say to Catherine, oh my God, my mortgage is now this. And I'd be Mm. really excited, but I didn't have anybody else in my life that I could talk to about this stuff. Now, other than um, motivation behind help people with with the super, what is some of the other motivation um, behind um, uh, becoming a financial advisor, Catherine? Oh, that was really easy for me. Uh, my parents, when I was growing up, they were, um, I think everyone in the 80s was sort of poor. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Interest rates were seventeen percent, Catherine. Everyone yeah, was everyone poor. was poor. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I wasn't here back then. Yeah, so it was a poor time for a lot of people. Um, <laughs> but I just remember things like we would have our neighbours uh, drop off boxes of food on our doorstop anonymous, anonymously, and we all slept in the same room for a long right. period of time. That kind of stuff. And um, I would, I was very tuned into my parents' attitude around money, and I, I knew that it caused them stress and it caused arguments and ultimately my parents separated because the financial stress and arguments that we had it it destroyed their marriage and I thought I never want to be in that situation so I wanted to learn everything that I could about budgeting and how to use money well so I wouldn't have to face that issue for myself and then once you I guess you take on something and you become passionate about it naturally you want to help other people do that too so I really like helping other people and so my focus has really been about, you know, getting those basics right, getting your budget so it doesn't cause you stress. I don't want people to feel pain or shame when it comes to their finances. I want them to feel empowered and confident. That's awesome. And uh, on that note, uh, when you said, you know, like um, the example of your parents, that's a common example with people when they um, when they get in extreme situations, right? People act out of fear and and they lose their morals or they lose their values and they let go and and sort of yeah it's really sad to see that i I can definitely say like from my own experience back in sydney when i was running um uh, one of the facilities there you know i ended up suddenly having employees and 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 the you know company sort of grow a bit too quickly and uh, initially i thought oh this is awesome you know obviously like we all have our own ego so i feel like you know it was like it feels good like people look up to me and like i'm making a good progress but it was so much work to do and, and financially it was f- so stressful. Like I almost didn't sleep and I, I did catch myself like making just unhealthy decisions and yeah, so. I actually think this is an issue for people when they go into business and I say I have friends who are a doctor and a lawyer and they run their own practices and they went to university to study medicine and law and now they're business people. And so they have to deal with cash flow and with superannuation for their employees. And HR. And HR. And, and there's actually, it's people, people go into something because they're passionate about it. Mm. But when you go, when you start a business, there's actually a whole back end to running your own business yeah. that you're not necessarily across. Um, and it's a pretty steep learning curve for everybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all relate here. 
Now, what are some of the mistakes that you you've made um, since you started Madam Adams? And that's sort of questions for both both of you. This, oh, okay, so the confession is that Catherine had already been running her own business, and I hadn't. And so when we started Money Madams, I was so excited by the prospect of helping people and getting out there and really making a difference. Um, I was full of enthusiasm and mm. motivation. And and I was and not. naive. <laughs> I mean, I, I was I was happy, but I actually said to Amber, I said, I'm really glad you're excited. I'm pleased, but I, I just feel tired thinking about it because I knew what was involved. <laughs> and I said, let's just use your motivation while you've got it. <laughs> Now, also, this is not your main business. Catherine, you've got your separate yeah, financial so, advisory yeah, business. Yeah, so I have my own practice. So I'm yeah, a financial advisor. And um, so I've been in business for about uh, owning my own business. I was a, a business partner for about six years, but recently have gone out and, and the sole owner of my own practice now. Um, so I know the kind of work that's involved. Mm. So so Money Madams was, um, yeah, just another one to add to the pile. <laughs> And I work full time. Yep. And so this was what I did. This was a new thing. After hours. I would get home from work. I would cook dinner. I would put my children to bed and then I'd work on Money Madams until I was exhausted and I would go to bed myself. So, um, and I was really happy to be in the business and I'm a pretty optimistic person, but Catherine was right. The motivation did run out yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> at some point. And that's why it's been good, like, you know, be doing it together. Absolutely. We're, uh, you know, accountable to one another. Mm. Yeah. And that's really important. If you're going into business with someone and we were just saying it's really important that, you know, um, it's got to be somebody that you're prepared to work with until maybe two o'clock in the morning or be sick and still be happy Mostly to be yeah. around each yeah. other. <laughs> I, I actually, I'd heard lots of people say before I started this with Catherine that, you know, be careful about going to business with friends and family. It can end badly. And I was reading um, a little while ago Ray Dalio's book. And Ray, I don't know if you read, know Ray Dalio. He's one of no. the most successful investors in history. He's what's, kind the, of, what's the book called? It's called Principles. Okay. Um, and he's kind of up there with Warren Buffett for the success that he's had um, in investing. Mm. And one of the things he talked about was um, don't go into business with somebody because they're the most talented or they're the most capable um, because, and he gives this two o'clock in the morning example where he says, you know, people when they're tired and you're stressed and it's two o'clock in the morning and you're working on that thing that's due at eight, you actually want to be around people who you like. Yeah. Um, and who all those all those things you know we can we all know the most talented person in the room but they're really annoying and you don't necessarily want to be hanging out in your I'm going to say an in inverted commas spare time in particular if it's somebody that you're literally working together I mean if you can yeah. have somebody skilled and and technically um, talented that works for you you don't necessarily have to see them that's I guess that's okay but yeah yeah if that's it's right. literally like in terms of running a business together yeah yeah, Definitely. so business partners mm. um, and we know each other and we trust each other and we can make decisions even if the other one isn't there because I know what kind of things Catherine would be okay with. You know, it just makes it easier. And you met six years ago at the mum's... Uh, ten years ago. Ten years ago. Ten years ago at, at where again? Uh, um, mum's group. So it's like mums a, group. it's set up by the ACT government yeah. to help new mums find each other as a support network. That's awesome. So our we were saying our babies were six weeks old and mm. we were tired. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yes. That's and what... our baby's not six weeks old, but still tired. <laughs> still tired. <laughs> <laughs> now, back to um, that, uh, when you said, you know, um, you've been through business, you know what it entails. You've been, not, not that you've been skeptical, but you were sort of not as enthusiastic, mm. whereas Amber, you were more enthusiastic. <laughs> But you know what, like it's it's so interesting because when you start a business and unless you've been through it, if it's like your first thing, like actually there's pros and cons to it, right? But like when you when you don't know what you're into it and you're just super excited, it's like it is um it is empowering. It's an energizing. It's energizing thing. And 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 for somebody else, I don't know if it was like that for you, um, Catherine. But when you watched Amber being so in, so excited, is that something that you did you see it, yourself in there? Yeah, like it was ten- it was nostalgic. <laughs> and the other thing is, um, what I find is sometimes when you don't know what you don't know, and you're just excited, do you find that you actually get more creative problem solving, just because you don't know what what is ahead? Like what is you know like there's a there's a general way that things are meant to be done, and you may not be aware of it, and you just like, I'm, we're gonna do this thing, and I'm so excited, let's do this this and that. And then you find out, okay, actually, yeah, sorry, no, nah, it's got to be like that. But but you might find across, uh, through that process like some creative solutions. Uh, look, I think you're right. I think there's some things that we've done um, a little differently. But for us, I think uh, the excitement – now, I thought Catherine, when I was um, enthusiastic, I thought the look on her face was she thought I was naive and cute. <laughs> In my in my enthusiasm, um, but I think for us, jumping in and just doing it, not knowing everything, mm. not having it all figured out, but committing that we were going to do this thing. Bit of an adventure. Yeah, it was an adventure, and it was look. Last year was one of the probably one of the most productive years I've ever had. In saying that, I was pretty exhausted by the time I got mm. to Christmas, um, and I needed some time off. Yeah, we're, we're about to go away again. We um, we finished writing our book. It's just been published um, and we finished writing it about, or so we thought, about a year ago. <laughs> and um, But it took another nine months of editing work and editing and re-editing and going over and going through all the processes with the publisher and the editors. And it, that part was just exhausted because you feel like you've done the work, but it's just it's never ending. Yeah. So when we finally got the book out there, we've actually, you know, we've got a book launch um, uh, is about to happen. And so we're really excited about that because it's really a celebration of all that work that we've been putting in to date. Um, and so now our next part is, well, now our next part is what's the next project? And, um, you know, taking a little break and then focusing on, you know, the next stage and what we can do to help our, our listeners and the broader community next. Mm. I actually think too with balance, um, I remember reading somewhere, you know, people talk about having balance. I don't think with running, I think balance looks different when you run your own business. So it's not necessarily having the perfect day where you work and then you relax and then you, um, I think for me, uh, while we were doing these projects and running this business, the balance was um, we were flat out and we were working really long hours and really putting in to make publishing deadlines mm-hmm. and to do the thing. And then I had a week at home where I did nothing. Um, and so the balance is kind of in a bigger picture rather than in yeah. the day-to-day. It was a seasonal balance. Yeah. Um, and for me, I was so excited because for the first time ever, I sat at home and watched Netflix and I got the little message that was like, are you still watching? <laughs> I've never <laughs> had that before. 
my gosh, I'm watching Isn't that like when you don't move the computer or something? (laughs) Something like that. Or it must be, you know, you watch two, I don't know what it is, because you've watched two episodes or something and it goes, are you still watching? And I'm like, yes, I am. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had, I I kind of had extreme work and then almost extreme downtime to get that balance over the longer term. As as um as a good strategy um like a sprint let's call it sprinting in business mm-hmm. right and um, and I assume that was to do with the book publishing yeah yeah but um, I bet that you felt both super accomplished when you've done that so that was a good justification behind all the hard work right oh absolutely yeah so over over the period of about six months yeah we we kicked off our own podcast and had the book launch wow. as well. That's that's impressive. Now, what is the book called? Uh, we, we love the title. It's um, it's called Make Money Your Bitch. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unmistakable. It's got like this big red shoe on it. And it's, yeah, it's a woman's financial roadmap to freedom. I mean, it's it seems like it's targeted at women. And we talk as if we're talking to people like ourselves and as if all the things that we wish we knew when we were young, mm. but to be honest, the topic is really all of them apply regardless of what gender. So it's it's yep. useful for both men and women. Um, tell the story about selling a copy to one of your clients, Catherine, who was way outside of our like <laughs> de- who we thought were our demographics. Oh, I had a I had a client in my office, and I was really proud. I had I had the books on display recently, and we were talking about who his son who was um, purchasing his home or looking to for the first time, and he just wasn't aware of the different strategies he could use and then we're speaking about all these different programs and he's like I didn't know any of these programs existed and I said oh well look I've actually got this chapter in the book which is targeted at anyone who's never owned a first home um, and it talks about all the different programs that you can access and I just flipped through and, and showed him and he's like oh my son he needs that book and so yeah 67 year old male purchasing the book for his you know middle-aged son <laughs> and I thought <laughs> You know what? It, it's not the target market I had in mind, but you know what? It's great knowing that we can help anyone who really needs help in those areas. Um, I think as well with the book, we really tried to make it fun and mm. to put um, stories about our own journey and our own yep. thinking and how we came to um, be where we are um, throughout the book. So um, it was really, the process was hilarious though. So Catherine would do all the kind of, really important information yep. the, the nerdy detail <laughs> <laughs> and then the editor would like send me a send me a chapter and have just marked up like amber make this funny <laughs> that's <laughs> awesome <laughs> so, yeah. yeah and she was like you guys really do have a dark sense of humor and um and i said well look i don't i'm not really worried about offending anyone because if they can get past the book title, then they're not going to have a problem with the content. And yeah. and there are some people who've looked at the book cover and they haven't seen the R on the your. <laughs> and they're like, okay, you know, make fun of you, bitch. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 there is an R there. <laughs> and it's um, using, you know, analogies, using fun little anecdotes. That's, that's storytelling, right? And that's what's going to make the whole experience for the reader more more immersive more engaging more mm-hmm. enjoyable mm-hmm. and one of my favorite stories in there was before I met Catherine it was uh 2009 and the GFC had just hit and the share market had taken a massive dive mm. and I had no shares um but I kind of watched the news every night and the Commonwealth Bank of Australia share price I was familiar with and I knew that it had taken a massive hit 
And I also was confident that it would, the Commonwealth Bank wasn't going to go um, bankrupt yep. and that it would work its way up. And at the time I was pregnant and I was just about to go on maternity leave and I actually had sitting in my account $20,000. Yep. And that money was so I could take 12 months off work and that would um, cover any gaps in our budget. So yep. for the electricity and whatever, we'd figured mm -hmm. out what our yearly finances were and we'd save the money that would be, um, would be the gap. And so I had this $20,000 sitting there and I could have put the whole $20,000 in cheap Commonwealth shares. Oh, yeah. But I couldn't take the risk because mm. for me, I didn't, I was confident it would go back up, but I didn't know whether that was the bottom and I didn't know how quickly it would bounce. Right. And I couldn't take the risk that I would have to go back to work and not have the time off with my baby. It was a big responsibility. It was a responsibility. And so I put $500 in Commonwealth shares. I didn't even know how to buy shares. I had to figure that out. How yeah. to actually go in and I spent $500 on Commonwealth shares. And in the process, oh, it was only a couple of months, I think, or maybe six months, I doubled, more than doubled my money, which wow. was not bad. But I could have done it with two. Oh, yeah, like, <laughs> and in the book, I tell this story and I say, you know, I only cry about it a, a few times now. <laughs> mm. I'm slowly getting over it. But I think it's this thing too about... Um, your risk appetite and how much risk you're willing to take. Yeah. And we're talking about all the investment options that are out there. Mm -hmm. And for me at that time, it just wasn't right. I just couldn't, I couldn't risk it. Yeah. And I, and I also think it's because, you know, you were a mum, so you were being responsible. I think it would be a different scenario if you were single and you didn't have those responsibilities. Absolutely. Other people relying on you, you probably jump on it. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Now you mentioned um, you didn't know how to go about uh, buying, buying stock. Mm. Uh, shares, sorry. Um, I didn't know either, but um, I gotta say, lately, I've uh, recently I've come across this app, and it's just a little, little my first actual introduction, and it allows me to buy shares, but in on like a percentage of shares, mm. and I've set it up so every week, sort of, it, you know, takes money out of my bank account and just puts it there, and I can sort of see it grow, and I've got the decision to like it lets me to choose how risky I want to go. Would you recommend that as a something for somebody that's just starting out with shares as a as a initial like a little practicing tool? Yeah, so it sounds like you're doing a little bit of like um, micro investing. Yeah, yeah, micro. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that is a great way to dip your toe into the market because people seem to be more comfortable with, say, the idea of an investment property over the idea of shares, simply because it's something that you know it's you great Australian it. dream. It's you can see it, you can mm. feel it, and more people are open to talking about it. Um, but the shares, people get a little bit more scared about, whereas I must admit I do prefer for a number of reasons shares over um, property. Um, there's just more flexibility and statistically have a higher rate of return. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, whereas properties, it's taxed when you buy it, it's taxed while you have it, and it's taxed while you sell it. So it's just you, you lose a lot to taxes and running costs. Um, so something like... Um, you know, a raise or um, raise. That's the yeah, one. Okay, yeah, yeah, or a spaceship voyager. Those kind of um, apps will allow you to dip your toe, get more familiar, because part of your risk tolerance can be your level of education. And if if you don't know it, it of course it's going to be scary. So mm. the more you can get familiar with it, the more you understand, and the greater your risk tolerance can be. 
And you can also diversify that risk by by having you know multiple different like shares, oh. d- multiple different companies. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it can be across multiple companies, and it doesn't have to be companies. It can actually be in something really conservative that's going to be a similar return of uh, to say cash in term deposits. Mm. Um, it can be just the Australian share market. It can be overseas, or you can be investing in things like you know your Westfields or your Colliers and the big groups across the world so it really gives the world at your feet in terms yeah. of investing whereas in property you look at now what's been happening in the last what's well, been almost six months with the fires here in australia be interesting to see how all those properties on the coast what's the price going to be like and right oh there's there's so many factors and that's, that's all the money on one port yeah that's 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 one of the dangers is it's you're limited to one sector one location um, and it's a lumpy asset, so it can, mm. you can't just sell off the bathroom when you need to. Right, and that's what you refer to as lumpy. Yeah, absolutely, and um, and not only that, is very rarely do people actually have the money to purchase a home outright. Um, I don't know anyone who does. Uh, well, maybe a few, but um, and so most people will need to borrow money, and of course that can be great in terms of giving you some tax deductions, but it also puts you at risk of things like interest rate changes and cash flow and all sorts of other problems. So you really need to make sure that if you're loading yourself up with debt, even if it's good debt, um, that you've got a really solid backup plan behind you. And what about digital currency like Bitcoin? Oh, sorry, blockchain currency. Uh, I wouldn't count it as investing. I would say it's more speculating. So I kind of view it as more gambling than anything else. Right. Um, so I wouldn't do it myself, but I wouldn't begrudge anyone else doing it for themselves either. But I would not be viewing it as like a play money. I would literally treat it like betting on the Melbourne Cup. Yeah, just it's having a bit a, of fun, a little bit of excitement, yeah. but you wouldn't be staking anything that you weren't prepared fully to lose. Mm. There was a story somewhere about um, when when the Bitcoin thing was starting out. It was um, some woman in England, and she got her hands on like bitcoins, like hundred bitcoins. Somebody gave it to her. She found it. I don't know. I don't know exactly how she got to it, but she didn't really know much about it, and she just sort of it was sitting on the computer or something like that, and then she didn't realize how much value it had. But she's thrown the computer away. She would have been a millionaire now. <laughs> yep. Yep. I think I heard about that and they were talking about if you went through the landfill where she threw the computer. Yeah. And if you found it, you would be worth, it was, you know, like $2 million yeah. or something. So people were discussing whether it was worth their time and kind of grossness to go, and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to go and find it. <laughs> I mean, what, what is a Bitcoin now? It's like 1500 or something. Oh, there's, there's so many, yeah, different digital currencies out there. But yeah, couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Now, um, we're all humans. We, we all make mistakes. Um, what are some of the things that people don't agree with? Oh, gosh. For me, we were speaking about this one earlier. So um, for me, one of the biggest um, areas that I kind of have to help educate people on, on misconceptions is around the way that I get remunerated sometimes. Mm-hmm. So there's been heaps of change in my industry, but a lot of people have a, a big fear of working with financial advisors. They think that they're just going to, you know, charge a raft through of commissions through their super. When in fact, um, commissions through things like um, super, it's actually, it's been about 10 years. It doesn't really happen anymore. So um, 
so if you would look at some online communities, that's their biggest thing that they're um, nervous about when working with an advisor. And um, so I work on a flat fee basis for most of my clients. However, anything I do in the space of personal insurance, so things like income protection and life cover, I actually do work on a commission basis. Mm -hmm. And so some people um, are worried that I may be recommending it um, because I may choose one over another that is may pay more when in fact the government has actually set a flat rate so it's the same across the board across all insurers so there's no incentive yeah there's no incentive to use one over the other um but there still has this misconception that commissions can be bad um whereas actually i wrote an article actually um which was published which is called the ethical problem with commissions yeah and it just really challenged the idea that especially in that risk space of insurance um, I actually think it's more ethical for an advisor to charge commissions and a flat fee. Absolutely, I think it makes more sense because if you if you it's like you're more you're going to be more invested in the success for the client. Yeah, it's a success based fee. So, for example, um, if a client has a health condition or they get offered terms that they don't like, um, they're not going to take up the deal, which means that they you know they don't, they're not forced to take it up and they're not out of pocket for anything at all and I would have to wear that cost so I really am quite motivated to make sure I get the best possible terms and conditions I can get for them and only when they're 100% happy effectively do I get paid and not only that is if they went to um whoever I recommended directly the premiums are identical so it's not an additional mm cost them so going it alone they're wearing all that risk whereas using an advisor um the premiums will be the same or sometimes even lower because we can access discounts sometimes um but also i have a legal requirement to act in their best interest so they've got a fiduciary duty protecting them um over and above that wouldn't exist if they went on their own they'd only have themselves to blame if they got it wrong so i think people are crazy try and sort out their insurances on their own Mm, that is a great insight for for all listeners listening to this now um, just gives better better understanding of what, what financial advisory service is about. Mm. Mm, that's awesome. Now, I come from a fitness background and often, you know, are people considering getting on a fitness program or getting to exercise, um, they look at the cost of the programs. They, you know, there might be the initial questions, how much this costs, how much that costs. And I usually see that as a, it's not really about a question of, um, of that, but it's they come from belief of, um, not understanding um, the the return on investment in when it comes to exercise, and I like to look at like well, what are some of the things that you could you could list down that you probably didn't have to spend money on, you know, and you could save that extra money so that you could afford it if you need it, like a personal trainer. Because ultimately, if you're trying to get fit, you might need, and and if you if you don't know much about exercise, you need that more guidance from a trainer. What are some of the expenses that you typically see people like say wasting money on Mm, that's a really good one it will vary by situation but um i think these days people can get a little bit overboard on subscription services Mm. so a lot of people will say you know if you just gave up your morning coffee you would say x amount of years yeah yeah, yeah. i'm sorry but i can't function without coffee (laughs) (laughs) it's better for everyone if Catherine has coffee (laughs) yes yes um so i'm not an anti-coffee person i just think about you need to set your budget you need to first make sure that there's a part of your budget that is um dedicated to being saved and then you organize your spending based on what's left and once you've set yourself a limit 
for your own personal enjoyment. That part of your budget, you just don't go over it. So whatever makes you happy, you need to focus on what brings you joy. So if it's investing in your personal fitness, if it is traveling, you know, you may be able to do one of these things or all of these things or having latest fashion, latest tech, whatever it is, really appreciate it. Um, and enjoy it but don't go over the limit that you've set for yourself so for some people you know it's all about having Spotify and Netflix and Stan because they are just a homebody who loves those things whereas for another person it's going to be you know hair and nails or something like that so um, I don't think it's there's no one thing you could say um, is a typical waste of money but for me the most unnecessary one would be uh, Uber Eats. That's where I see a little bit of money get wasted because not only are you spending on, I guess, food, you're paying somebody else to deliver it as well. So it's an easily avoidable one. You've got to eat, but you can save so much money in that particular space. It's a tough one, right? Because it's a Friday night and you just want convenience. Uber Eats, though, is actually more expensive than going to the source. So I know our local Indian restaurant that Mm -hmm. I really like, um, we got them through one of those delivery um, apps. One of their own delivery guys? Yeah. Well, we got it through the delivery app and it was more expensive than going and using their own delivery guys. So they basically, we I went in to pick it up once and they said, we have a delivery person and if you just call us, you know, and yeah, you place yeah. your order, he'll deliver it and it's cheaper. So mm. even even Uber Eats and some of those other ones, they, there's a markup on the food itself. Um, and so, yeah, it's even if you want to get takeaway, <laughs> it's a super expensive way to do it. Yeah, so it really is about knowing what your vices are and as long as you've got the rest of your financial house in order, making sure it fits in and there is still capacity for saving. Excellent. Now, back to... Um, investment um when you're trying to get a loan for a house big one is to look at your credit rating right Mm -hmm. what about uh payment solutions that these days available like uh pay later i think that's what it's called oh like zip pay pay, those kind of things yeah we we had a um an episode where we spoke about this and it can provide a it can be a tool but it's Mm. like a credit cards they're a tool um, now, if you are using it to cover consumable day-to-day expenses, then that's a really dangerous sign. Um, but I would hate for somebody who say needed an emergency root canal yeah. to not be able to afford to get that fixed because of a lack of needing that, having that money up front. So it can be really useful. But I think like anything, you've got to look at how you're using it. So if you're using it to purchase something that you otherwise couldn't afford, it's mm. a bad thing. Um, but if it's a cash flow tool in a time of need, it's a wonderful service. Yeah, I gotta say, because I just been I just bought this camera, right? And uh, um, I had money in my account. I could buy it straight up. That wasn't an issue, but I I just like mm, pay later. I, I, I like the idea because mm. like on the platform you can then like decide how much you want to pay and just gives you that like cash flow. It's a cash mm. flow tool. Yeah, absolutely. I'm the same thing with um, you know, those eighteen month zero percent interest mm. nothing to pay i can have the money sitting in my account and i'll keep it quarantine quarantined or offset against my mortgage um and i may use a service like that but i am really dedicated about not touching those funds and before that yeah. period ends i'll pay it off in, in absolutely yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. done That's so right. yeah it can be a really good tool so like anything you've got to look at how you're using it 
Now, somebody told me when it comes to credit rating, if you have too many debts, even a credit card, and even even if you haven't actually like tapped into it, but it is already a debt in its in itself. If yeah, if you've got the facility available, yeah, you'll be assessed as if um, what would your repayments be if you tapped out your limits? Because it's like the because it's like you've got the access to it, like so it could happen. Mm. So they already like absolutely. And so, what would be some of the best strategies that you'd recommend for somebody who's trying to have a good credit rating? Uh, well, uh, for the first thing is just don't go overboard. So, make sure you've got, um, if we're talking about purchasing a home, you want to have the basics like you've saved up enough money for a deposit um, or if you haven't, you've got access to, say, a guarantor mm. or some other service that will help you meet the lender's criteria. A big one is purchasing somewhere you can afford. That's when you do go to service it, that you're factoring in, you know, much higher interest rates than what we have now. Mm. Um, and you're also factoring in things like um, if you're a couple, if there's plans to have kids down the track, can you afford that home on a single income? Because banks will look at these things as well. Um, and, of course, making sure that you don't have a crazy amount of, um, you know, personal loans and other debts in your way. Otherwise, it is going to make it harder for you to get that loan. Mm. I've even heard little things like if you're purchasing alcohol, like I'm not 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 an alcoholic, but if you're buying a say Friday night, you're going and buying a beer out of your cart, that it's actually, um, it's not it's you shouldn't do that because it can affect your credit rating. Uh, it's wouldn't say it's your credit rating per se, but your lending eligibility. Mm. Um, I can act, I have a story of a mortgage broker who had a client um, where the bank went through their transaction statement and. About six months ago, they were being a bit tighter. They have loosened up a little bit, but they actually saw an ultrasound on the uh, on the transaction statement, right. and they had to. They came back with the question and said, "Are you expecting a child?" And the mortgage broker had to put this question to the couple, and they said, "Well, yes, we are, but we're only seven weeks pregnant." And um, but we haven't told our families, we haven't told anyone because it's such early days. Yeah. Um, and then of course the bank took that into account in terms of working out their ability to service the loan because they had to factor in that there would be a child on the way. Mm. Um, I think the banks, I know you said Catherine, they're loosening up a little bit, but we refinanced our mortgage a, a couple of years ago now, and I have um. A, a, a superannuation account that I set up through Catherine because of the personal insurance benefits that it gives me. Yep. Um, and I salary sacrifice $90 a fortnight out of my pay into that account. So it's not my main super account. It's just kind of a little one that's ticking over in the separate. background. It's separate. And it's, and it's not for super as much as it's for the personal insurance. Um, they, the bank came back to me and asked, and asked all these questions about it. And I remember at the time going, it's not a whole lot of money and it's, I'm not spending this on cigarettes and alcohol. This is, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. This is a superannuation account. Um, so I think that there's, uh, it's, yeah, it's not credit rating as much as they want to check what you're spending your money on and where mm. it's going. And yeah, I was really surprised. I, I had to justify a second super account. Wow. Now. We've spoke for 40 minutes. What do you wish you had known before you started Mighty Madams? In terms of a business aspect? Yes. It's been a steep learning curve. I don't think either of us are 
tech savvy by nature. So um, I'm definitely a late tech adopter. So learning to produce and edit podcasts has been a steep learning curve. Um, But really now we're working on our social media strategy. Mm. So I feel like there's a long way to go in terms of learning all the ins and outs of that. So I just really wish that I had known more about that, um, you know, getting yourselves out there before we had kicked it off. Mm. I'm actually glad I was quite naive jumping in. (laughs) I'm not sure, honestly, had I known the amount of work in front of me, I would have been more tentative. I would like to think that I still would have committed to it, but I would have definitely been more tentative about making the decision and I'm glad I did it even though it was hard work, even though it was a commitment. And so um, I think, and I know there's more to do. I really try to focus, Catherine and I have weekly business meetings and it's really easy to feel overwhelmed by how much there's still to do and what's next. And I really try to sometimes remind us how much we've accomplished and how far we've come and celebrate along the way because honestly looking at what we've still got to do, um, it's it's a mountain that you'll never climb. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there will always be more. And so I think it's really important for me. I've learnt through this journey that um, I, I could feel overwhelmed. Um, so instead I choose to um, be grateful and celebrate what we've done and how we're going. Absolutely. It's good that you brought it up, like actually recognising all the work that you've done. Because um, that is, yeah, that is... Um, that can be a really good a way to also um, de-stress. Like mm. if, you, if you're if you in constant hustle and you're just going after the next thing, after the next thing, after the next thing on your check, on your uh, to-do list and you never spend that time to to um, to stop and, and think and recognize and you're always going to feel like, oh, I'm not getting anywhere. And whether that's business or it's an exercise. Yeah, yeah. that's great, right. Great strategy. Yeah. I know I had days sometimes where I actually don't remember what I've done the whole day and I, and I don't go through a process and I just comes to the end of the day and I just feel like I've just been busy being busy and I haven't done anything. But when I actually do take time to um, start writing things down that I've accomplished for the day, I actually feel better. So it's important to live in the moment, look in the future, but also recognize on what you've done. Mm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of having a to-do list for the day, whether it's Money Madam's thing or just my own personal life. And if there's something that I've done that wasn't even on my list, I love to add it to the list just so I can cross it off. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know that one. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I'm big into productivity and, and efficiency. What is your uh, your um, preferred method of, of uh, managing your to-do list, Catherine? Um, for anything that I'm working on a home uh, basis, um, I just use the Notes app on my just iPhone. It? Yeah, it's nice. really great. And it's got these little little dots now that you can use to, to mark things off. Um, if it's something that requires a little bit of notes, I might actually just send myself an email okay. um, or I will tell my PA to remind me at a future point in time so I don't forget. Um, I also jot things down in my calendar and in my own business, I actually have a software program that the common tasks that we do, it um, – you know, workflow threads that maps up what we need to do and when we need to do it because otherwise, you know, it would just fall out of my brain otherwise. Absolutely, yeah. And it gives you that peace, that peace of mind knowing that, okay, I've got it somewhere structured. Yeah, absolutely. You can let it go. If I find if I don't have it written down, um, it just circulates in my head. Mm. I know I like to use the um, used to-do list. 
No, I haven't. That is uh, that is one of the apps that I use, and I like it. You can actually set up recurring tasks that you know, like when it, when it comes to achieving a goal, mm. you look at your twelve months, big big milestones, the big rocks, right, and then you break it down back, and you set all these different goals. But when you keep breaking it out, breaking it down to a further a day to day ones, you actually end up seeing the things that actually you're gonna end up doing them every single day. And what I liked about this particular app is like you can just check it and then reappears the next day again mm. and you collect karma points <laughs> <laughs> so that was pretty good now any advice you'd like to give somebody looking at starting a business i would say don't go it alone i mean you can go into business and own it on your own but have a mentor or somebody you can be accountable to because there will be times um, when it's either tough or you just want to celebrate and mm. it's really good to have somebody in your corner who is part of your tribe and who is there for you through the highs and lows um, regardless of what stage your business is at. Social support network, so important. Mm -hmm. And an exercise too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, this has been a very insightful almost 45 minutes. So thank you very much. Catherine and Amber for all the all the insightful advice. Um, I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that. But if they want to find out more, where can they find you? <laughs> We're looking at each Rocks other. Go, you go, you go. <laughs> um, you can find us on our website, which is www.moneymadams.com. Mm -hmm. um, we are also on Instagram and Facebook under Money Madams. And our podcasts can be found at www.moneymadams.lipson.com. Yeah, and it's on all the major, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, all of those ones. So it's, it's pretty easy to find us. Mm -hmm. um, but if your listeners do head to our website, um, we actually have an online shop there as well. And today we've actually organised something for your listeners. Nice. Um, so we have a, a we have our book, of course, Make Money Your Bitch. Um, I love that title. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you have to have the explicit podcast rating for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we've also got things like our book talks about concepts, but having knowledge is one thing, but implementing it is another. So we actually have a mini ebook which specifically addresses budgeting as well as a budgeting template which helps people apply and automate the cash flow in the way we've given them you know, tips and advice on. So um, any of the things that they decide that they like the look of and want to give a go um, from our store, we've organised a promo code and it's VITFIT. Um, mm -hmm. And that will entitle them to 20% off their purchase. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for uh, for all that and for the time to to meet with me today on a, like I said, rainy Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And until next time. Thanks, Bit. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Bye. Thanks. Bye. And that's a wrap. You've just listened to episode number five of the Success Inspired podcast. In the next episode, I'm talking to an international profiling and communications specialist who has worked with international clients, the likes of Disney Films and Gillette, and also high-profile government organizations like the Australian Federal Police, 
to help them to be able to understand how people tick. To get notified about all the upcoming episodes, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. I really enjoy making these interviews and actually if more people listen to the show I'll be able to continue bring more great guests more great guests to the show. Uh, if you want to help me extend the reach of this show to more people um, simply subscribe and jump onto Apple Podcast you can rate and review this show and you can also let your mates know about this on social media. Have a great rest of your day and stay inspired. <laughs>